0: What a joy it is to welcome you this morning and what a delight it is to be able to open this marvelous study. For those of you that are just joining us today or perhaps have slept since last Sunday, we're studying a series called Men of Faith, although not all of them are men and not all of them were faithful. We looked at the very first week at a city that was seeking to make a name for itself, a city called Babel. And their faith was not in God. Their faith was in faith. We believe in us. And there are a lot of people today, athletes and businessmen, say you just got to have faith. Well, it doesn't mean faith in God. It means a self-promoted, self-focused, self-absorbing faith. That's not biblical. That's not the biblical faith. And then we looked at, at, at different characters. We've looked at Samson who had great abilities but wasted his faith. We looked at Abraham, a man of faith who shaped a nation, formed a nation. We looked at Moses, a man taken out of the water that would give it the very laws that would become a nation of Israels, the nation of Israel's laws, but also shape nations, because our own laws, though, though today we live in a secular environment that's seeking to divorce itself from God, we cannot deny our foundations. The truth is, we were founded on the laws of God, including the Ten Commandments that came down from Sinai 3,400 years ago. This morning, we're going to talk about a person that you'd say, "I just don't," I just find that hard to believe. And if you don't find it hard to believe, you're numb. Because we're going to talk today about a lady who's a. Can I? I'm just going. I just. I'll just drop the bomb, right? She's a prostitute. She wasn't sort of a prostitute. She wasn't a weekend prostitute. She is a prostitute. Scripture doesn't hide that five times in scriptures. The five different verses make clear Rahab the prostitute. Now, you can read books that try to clean that up and say, well, she's really an innkeeper. She provided extra services in her inn. She was a lady of the night. She was a person that was selling her body. And today we've tried to even make that sound more euphemistic, she, she, was, she was a person who was an escort, she was a lady who simply was in the sex trade or sex traffic, she was a harlot. Some of you in this room and some in the second hour will say, Pastor, I just don't think I'm good enough to be a Christian, well, today ought to encourage your heart. Some of you say, well, I just messed up so bad, I don't think God could ever forgive me, well boy, today ought to be a real encouragement to your heart. I want you to hear me. There's no pit that you're in, no pit you're in, that's too deep for God to reach down with His grace and pull you out. And there's no sin you've committed that's so great that God's sacrifice through Christ on the cross cannot wash you whiter than snow. That's the gospel. And so today, as you listen to this lady, some of you in this room may say, Well, Brother Nick, you don't know what I've done. No, and I'm glad. Because I don't need to. I'm not I'm not your judge. I'm a pilgrim like you. But the truth is God knows what you've done. And you know what he said? I will not cast out any who come into me. All who come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. So I want to give the invitation this morning to start. I believe there's some in this room that are gonna find freedom from guilt, freedom from past seasons of your life, and genuine freedom today. In a marvelous story of an old testament character if you have your bible i invite you to open the book of joshua joshua chapter 2 now moses has just died joshua has become the commander and leader of these people who've been wandering 40 years in the wilderness josh was now about to take the leadership role and he was terrified four times in joshua chapter 1 god says be strong and of good courage why do you guys keep saying it because he wasn't strong and of good courage he was terrified god i've seen these people 40 years I saw the grief Moses had with them. I don't know that I want this job. God said, be strong and of good courage, I'll be with you. Joshua was a good general, and as they were on one side of the, uh, of the Jordan getting ready to cross over, he said, I'm going to do what Moses did years ago at the command of God. He sent 10 spies in the land, I- I'm going to send two. But this is a different kind of spying. I'm not asking to go in and see how good the land is, I want you to go in and do reconnaissance Joshua's a general. He's got armed men now, and he's getting ready to march in and take the land. And and although it's obvious God's going to give it to them, he says, but that doesn't mean there may not need to be preparation for some degree of struggle. And so he sent in two spies, as you remember, to get ready to do some reconnaissance. And we're going to read Joshua chapter 2 and a little bit Joshua 6, and then just look at two or three principles about the key character. Here we go, Joshua chapter 2 Beginning in verse 1, Joshua son of Nun secretly sent two men. Now I want you to remember that word secretly because they're not as covert as you think. The son of Nun sent two men as spies from Acacia Grove saying, go and scout the land, especially Jericho. So they left. They came to the house of a woman, a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. Now notice it doesn't say they stayed there to uh, be entertained by her business venture. The word "state" here is the same word used as entered into her house. They were not there for a night of pleasure. This Don't make this sensual. Uh, remember, a, a harlot's house had lots of men coming and going. So two more coming and going should not have been obvious and we're going to find that in a minute for, because location of her house, it was easily accessible, very likely near enough to the gate that you wouldn't have to look far to find it. So they immediately came in, saw the house of a prostitute, named Rahab and they stayed there and, and now remember these were supposed to be secret spies verse 2 the king of Jericho was told look some of the Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate the land so obviously they're not as covert as they would have hoped now how are they found out so quickly very likely the Canaanite men realized these you're not you're not from here what are you doing here I mean you don't have to be long to tell just by the way people are dressed or they talk or just their that those guys are tense what's going on? Somehow they discerned that they weren't one of them, they weren't Canaanites, so the king was told, and remember they had city kings, verse 3, the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab and said, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, for they came to investigate the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, and she said, yes, the men did come to me. I didn't know where they were from. At nightfall, when the gate was about to close, the men went out. I don't know where they were going. Chase after them quickly and you can catch them but she had taken them up on the roof and hidden them among the stalks of flax that she had arranged on the roof. And the men pursued them along the road to the fords of the Jordan, and as soon as they left to pursue them, the gate was shut. Now on one hand, she says, they they left just before the gate was shut, and now the guys have gone out searching, and the gates were closed. So this is dusk. It's getting late, and they barely made it out before the gates were closed. You get the feeling of the haste. She said, they've just gone. They said, then we've got to hurry quickly. The gates are going to close and no man can exit once the gates are closed. So you get a feeling of the rush here. They're hurrying to catch these men. Verse 8, before the men fell asleep, meaning the spies, before they fell asleep up on the roof, she went up on the roof and she said to them, I know the Lord, and that's all caps, L-O-R-D is in all caps. That's the word I am I know the one who said his name to Moses as I am. I know the Lord, the I am God, has given you this land. Now look at this. The dread of you has fallen on us. Everyone who lives in this land is panicking because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea. How recent was that? Forty years. How recent is your testimony of what God did in your life? If we start around with a microphone today, would yours be as recent as when I was eight, I trusted Christ, that's too long. When I was 15, I went to youth camp, that's too long. The only knowledge she had of God working and the people had was already four decades old. And yet the fear of God so stuck in them after four decades, they said, your very presence has caused us all to panic. Look what else she says. We heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did, this story is found in Numbers 21. Do you remember Moses wanted to go through the area where Sihon was king? He said, you're not coming through here. Met he met the Israelites with his army. And Alabama term is he got a good whooping. He got whooped, Numbers 21, and they pressed on through. So he said, we know what happened to the Red Sea, and we know what you did to the Amorite king Sihon and Og. And completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, verse 11, we lost heart. She says it again. Everyone's courage failed because of you for the Lord. Now look at this. What a confession of a prostitute that's a Canaanite and a woman. When we heard this, everyone's courage failed. We know the Lord your God is God. <laughs> Their people didn't make that clear profession of faith when you walked the Isle of the Baptist Church. We know the Lord your God is God, and look, how, look at the expanse of what we know. She's, a, she's in a Canaanite culture that has gods of everything. She said, but there's one God, your God, is, is God, and he's God in heaven above, and he's God on earth below. He's not one of the gods. He is capital G, God Now please swear to me, Rahab said, please swear to me by the Lord, the I am God, that you will show kindness to my family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign. You'll spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. And the men answered, we will give our lives for yours. If you don't report our mission, we'll show kindness and faithfulness to you when the Lord gives us the land. Look in verse 17. We will be free from this oath that you have made us swear, unless, when we enter the land, you tie this scarlet cord, scarlet rope, to the window through which you let us down. Then bring your father, in other words, when the attack begins, bring your father, mother, brothers, and all your father's family into the house, your house. If anyone says, I find it cramped in there. That's too restrictive. I'm not going to follow the legalism of those Jewish people. I'll do what I want and work it out with God when I stand before him. You're going to die. Verse 19. If anyone goes outside the doors of your house, then let it be known his blood will be on his head, and we will be innocent. Verse 20. And if you report our mission, we are free from the oath You made us swear. Verse 21, let it be as you say, Rahab replied, and she sent them away. After they were gone, she tied the scarlet rope to her window. Joshua 6, 1, very quickly, look at this, and we're going to look at two or three points. Look, Joshua 6, 1. He sent out spies into the land. When they came back to report to Joshua, what did they report? Here it is, Joshua 6, 1. Now Jericho was strongly fortified. This is the spies' report recorded by Joshua. They came back and they've told us Jericho is strongly fortified because the Israelites, in other words, here's two million Jews just over the Jordan. The soldiers of Jericho have gone out on reconnaissance of their own. And they've reported back to the king of Jericho, did you know there are two million people ready to cross the Jordan? If I told you today there were two million troops invading Oklahoma, I think you'd want prayer. The Bible says there are two million people just over the Jordan, and Jericho is just across on the other side, and they're waiting to enter the land. And this is that these are those people God drowned charioteers to deliver. Jericho was strongly fortified six one. No one leaving or entering because of the Israelites. And the Lord said to Joshua, I've handed Jericho, its king and its fighting men, over to you. Look very quickly, verse 22, and we're about to finish. Look at this. And Joshua 6.22, Joshua said to the two men who had scouted out the land. Now, they've gone in. The walls have fallen. If you're a new Christian, new, new, uh, new to church, they marched around the city seven days, once a day. and On the seventh day, marched around seven times. And when Joshua gave the the command, they shouted and the walls crumbled. Highly fortified city. The walls crumbled. The walls crumbled. It's that adage, this battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. So here's what it says. Joshua, after the walls fall, Joshua said to the two men, the same two had scouted the land. Go to that prostitute's house. Bring the woman out of there and all who are with her just as you promised. So the young men who had scouted went in and brought out Rahab and her father, mother, brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought her out with her family and settled them outside the camp. Now that's not a retribution. It means, keep in mind, these are enemy people still. Yes, they delivered our spies and yes, they gave us good information. But maybe they're double agents. I mean, We don't know who they are. So far, we've kept our promise. You didn't die. But that may be conditional. You try to do us harm now, we're going to keep you outside the camp and watch you. So the initial place they stayed is outside the camp for protection. Verse 24. And the Jews went in and burned up the city, Jericho, and everything in it. But they put the silver, gold, and articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house for the tabernacles used. But Joshua spared Rahab. After all this was done, they've watched him a while, they know her. He spared her, the prostitute, there it is again. He spared her father's household. He spared all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had to spy on Jericho. And guess what? She moved in. Now she lives in Israel to this very day. What does that tell people who have had a sinful past? You're not outside forever. Because once you say, Jesus, I beg you to forgive me and cleanse me by the blood of the cross, I want to enter in. He says, then you shall dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. Praise God. Well, look real quickly, and I've got to hasten because we could be here a while, but I want to get you all up at 1230 if it kills me. Here's what it says. First of all, Rahab's past. Rahab's past. This woman, we don't know a lot about. I don't know her family. I don't know her lineage. I don't know what caused her to be a harlot. In her culture, just being a woman made her second class. Women back in the days of Old Testament, you were bartered like a cow or a donkey or a camel. You were not not allowed to do much other than cook and provide for a household and have babies that was it you really had no voice this woman was not only a woman but she was a low she was even lower on the rung than that she sold her body now just to give you an idea of Jewish theology they didn't like prostitutes in fact you remember Jesus was caught one time where it's in the temple court and they brought a prostitute to him and said this woman was caught in the act of adultery she ought to die that's how much they thought of somebody who sold their body somebody who was promiscuous somebody who was an adulteress and so we know that the penalty was death, but even in Jewish theology, they believed a tax collector was behind a prostitute. In other words, when the two, if a prostitute and tax collector stood before God to go into heaven, God had said to let, let the tax collector in, uh, prostitute in, but not that tax collector. So you all work for the IRS, just keep that in mind. But here's what it says. Her religion was to honor Canaanite gods of which there were, were many, and I don't have time to go through all of them, but you've heard of these Asherah was a female goddess, lady of the sea. She was also the mother of 70 gods. Astarte was the goddess of love and fertility. Baal was the god of rain and nature. Why is that important? What did Elijah on the mountain, he said, Baal, why don't you call on Baal to send lightning? That's his strength. Beat him at his point of strength. And when your god fails at his point of strength, maybe you got the wrong god. Baal was the god of nature, Chemosh, uh, Chemosh was the god of Moab, uh, Dagon, we remember the story of Samson, was one of the Canaanite gods, Moloch was one of the Canaanite gods, Moloch was the one who, uh, the, for whom they built altars to sacrifice babies, a, a very despicable past, so this is who she was. What caused her to understand who God was is a miracle. Her profession, uh, her her profession to make money was twofold. First of all, we know she was a prostitute. I'm not going to go into what that means. But keep in mind, the Bible says later when the walls fell, her house remained standing. Now, it means it was likely connected to the house. And sometimes in ancient cities, and we've seen this through some of the digs in Jericho, they would build a wall and then a space and then a second wall and they did that for better fortification if you have a double wall then you can fill the middle sections with debris dirt sand whatever and that makes the wall even stronger because even if I breach the first wall I'm not into the city and occasionally along those dual walls they would provide storehouses and occasionally a home it's believed that Rahab actually had one of those places that perhaps was originally a storehouse converted now to her house, may well have been close enough to the gates of the city that they could come and go quickly from inside saying we're looking for that harlot's house It was just right, right down the block so it may not have been far. And we know that she had a flat roof and on that roof she had her second profession. She kept flax for the purpose of making linen. Now, so much of what we wear is organic. You got it on cotton today probably because of the heat. That comes from a plant. Did you know if you go to a nice restaurant and they put a linen tablecloth That is flax. A- a- and the making of flax is an art. And you can go home and read it. I was going to show you a video, but it's too long. But it's an amazing thing. They put flax bundles because it's got a rough, almost wood external thin, but wooden, feels like wood. And then internal, the internal fibers is what you want for, for the linen It's gross because what they do is they put the flax bundles in stagnant water for several days to allow the deterioration of bacteria to destroy the external harder part and break up the fibers of the flax that they want. And the real smell of that stagnant water is putrid So so think about the fact she's going to take these men up on her roof where there's stacks of rotting flax still wet from stagnant water and say, get under there and you'll be safe. I guess so. Nobody's going to crawl in there and say, anybody in here? And when they came out, they smelled like Lazarus. They stunketh, stinketh, stunketh, and stanketh. They were not in good shape. So the Bible says here's this woman And we don't know a lot about her, but we know what she did. She made flax and probably did well. And she sold her body and probably did well. Her house was easily seen. May have been large in the wall. And certainly had all the the advertisements that this is a place for men. Her present. Her present was she was at least aware there's a God in Israel. Isn't that amazing? It was a day when people would say of America, that's a Christian nation. That, that day's past. There's was a day when people say, if you can just get, get to America, you can have religious freedom. That's right now being eroded. It was a day when people say, you know, America stands for all the things that are right. Today we stand for our two leading products are pornography. Pornography and whiskey. And we're real quickly catching up on drugs. Did you feel dizzy when you fell so fast, America? Did it hurt when you hit the pavement? Here's a woman who lived in a moral country and she said, there sure is a God in Israel. Was Israel perfect? No, they'd fussed and cussed and complained for 40 years. But she said, you've got a God that's unlike any of these pagan gods we serve. We've never had a God open an ocean for us. We've never had God feed us for 40 years. We've never had a God where a bunch of slaves could go out and do battle and whip, trained armies of two kings did you feel the dizziness when you fell from the wall America what she knew about God was past tense she said I knew 40 years ago he parted the sea I knew he dealt with two Amorite kings but I know one thing that keep in mind we say today so often what you need preachers is to preach affirmation just help the people when they come in to laugh and they need to leave feeling good because they're under someone just affirm them Listen, when I go to a doctor and he's ugly to me, I don't like it, but I know he's doing it for my good. Some of you know what it's like to sit in the room and he uses that C word, you have cancer. Did you like that report? No. Were you grateful he was wise enough to find it and tell you? Yeah. Did you ever go to a doctor and he says, you know, you have major blood pressure problems. Well, I, I tell you right now, I won't be back. That's not affirming. We well, can go out there and drop dead of a stroke. So you don't don't shoot the messenger. You seek to understand it's what he's telling me true. I hope today you've got enough wisdom to say, I may not like this message on the sinfulness of sin and the destruction it does to people, but I want to receive the message because I know I'm a sinner and I need a great savior. And so the Bible says here that Rahab somewhere along got the information and she understood there is a God. We don't have him in Canaan. But he sure dwells and helps those people of Israel. Now I want you to know something else. She was willing to risk discovery of hiding the enemy in order to be true in what she said she believed about God. Now I want to say that again slowly. She was willing to risk everything she had, including her life, her livelihood, her home. I mean, she had been found out. She's a traitor. She's a Benedict Arnold of Canaan. You, you understand that. She took spies from an invading army, hid in her house, and then told the soldiers the king, they're not here. How do you spell traitor to your own country? And we read that and say, isn't she wonderful? Yes, from our perspective, what she did was miraculous, but the risk involved was huge. All it takes is one of those who said, I know they're in there. I was in there, don't ask me why, but I was in there doing business and I saw these two guys come in and they're not from around here and I didn't take me long to realize those are some of those Israelites out there and they've come to spy out the land, sir, and we better go in there and get them. Why did they not write then say, they may have left, but we're going to make sure this area is clean. They didn't even try. What a risk. All it would taken is one person say, I'll tell you where they are, they're up there in those flax bales. That's all it'd take, and she'd be dead. We wouldn't be reading about her. We'd be reading about a woman who thought it would be best to help Israel, but she perished in the process. I've known people wouldn't stand the gap for their family. I've known people wouldn't stand the gap for their brother or their sister or take a risk on their daddy or their mama or their son or their daughter finally saying, I've had all I want, I, I'm not doing anything else. She stood in the gap for enemies of her own people because she had a faith and a God that they believed in. Jericho had been in existence a thousand years. They've had walls, they've been already in existence a thousand years when Rahab's story is told, and they have walls there. We'll go there in just a few weeks, a few months. And you'll be amazed as we see that city. It's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And every time it's collapsed, they just take the rubble and build again. And I mean, you've got to go way down to find the original fortifications of a city called Jericho. Her house was highly trafficked. There are places that you don't have to wonder. Do those people, do those people have a lot of friends? Now, sometimes we're, we're told today and so often we see on the news people will have a meth house. Or they'll have a drug house, or they'll have a house of ill repute. And the neighbors will say afterwards, we always saw people coming and going, we thought that strange, really? (laughs) See, the neighbors of Rahab didn't wonder, I don't know what she's doing, they knew what she was doing. See, she went by a lot of names, but to her neighbors, she was called, that's that prostitute. To God, she said, she's a heroine in the making. She's about to be a hero of the Hall of Faiths. Eventually, she's going to be to a man named Salmon, his wife. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says at this point in time, she was just seeing men after men after after man after man after man. And it's amazing she made the confession. Here's what I know to be true about you people in Israel. Your God really is God. I want you to hear me. It's one thing to say, I believe God's God, and there's some of you in this room, likely, and certainly some in the second hour, say, oh, now, well, then I'm okay, I believe God's God, now, don't stop there, don't, don't check out on me now. See, see, you're not saved because you know the facts. We're about to find out Rahab didn't just say, I, I believe, she said, I'm going to act on what I believe. You see, number one, when she said, I believe God is God, and whatever I'm about to do, I would rather suffer. Wherever he read this, I'd rather suffer for a season if it requires it with the people of God than to live the rest of my life among the camp of the enemies of God. Isn't that what Moses said? Isn't that what Abraham said when he got up at 75 and left Ur of the Chaldees? Isn't that what every great man of faith and woman of faith said? I will not stay here. I've decided to follow Jesus. I will not turn back. Rahab said, I don't just believe in God. My life is about to demonstrate what my heart says. You understand what you do is the indication of what you really believe. What you do is verification for what you profess. And when you do nothing, then what you say has no bearing. Why? Even James said, Faith without works is anemic, right? Faith without works needs a little vitamin B12, right? No, faith without works is what? Dead, dead, dead. There's tons of people that say, well, I'm okay, I asked Jesus to forgive my sins when I was nine. What have you done about it? Nothing. I- I- I'm okay, I prayed the prayer camp when I was 15. And what have you done about it? Nothing truth is, had Rahab only said, I believe the God of Israel is God, we wouldn't be reading about her. He gave us that snapshot to give us rationale for understanding what she's about to do. The Bible says, I believe you're God's God. And to show you, I'm going to hide you from destruction so you can go back and give your intelligence report to General Joshua. And the Bible says when she did that, she was saying, not only will I hide you, I'm going to get you to safety. I'm going to lower you down over the wall. Now, that's how we know her house was by the wall. Why? A woman going out with two men in a rope to climb up somebody else's stairway to get to the wall and let somebody down is going to be pretty obvious. Her house was connected to the wall. Why? They won't even know you've slipped out they're all in there and if it's a double wall they're inside the front wall we're going to be out behind the back wall and we're going to get you out of here do you know how much courage it takes to hide somebody have you ever read anything about world war ii and people who tried to hide jews in germany was that accepted no problem nobody's going well all you're doing is hiding them we're not going to hold you guilty You ever read of people who hid Jews? See, it takes a lot of backbone to stand against your people and your government when your government and your people have left God. The Bible says in that moment, she acted upon it. She hid those spies and then she asked them, listen, before I let you down over the wall, I believe your God is God, and she heard a message of judgment, not affirmation. How many of you, I'm not asking you to raise your hands, how many of you were saved? Just think with me. How many of you were saved when you heard a sermon on hell and after you'd heard many, many sermons on God, is love? Several. How many were you saved in the 70s when all those films came out about the rapture? You said, dear God, I don't want to be left behind. How many of you were drawn more under a judgment message than you were under a grace message? Many. Her message wasn't one of affirmation. Her message was, our God is about to destroy this place. You better declare. And she said, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, isn't that the declaration, Joshua? As for me and my house, what? We're going to serve the Lord this was a Canaanite woman. No, a Canaanite woman who's a prostitute. No, a Canaanite prostitute who had a plethora of gods in the Canaanite culture and still said, I've decided to follow the God of Israel. Some people have a hard time saying, how could she be saved she didn't understand any theology she didn't have any background in Israel history she didn't know enough about God how can you say she was saved when she said the Lord your God is God I will deliver you because I believe in him that was her profession of her declaration of faith we've changed what we sing and It's just the culture It's not our church, this generation is changing what they sing, but we, I'm among my people, we're all old, can we just say amen, yeah we can, for those of y'all not, you will be, so just agree with that statement, you're on your journey and one day you're going to look like this, I'm so sorry, but that's true, but having grown up in the Baptist church, we never sang the third verse, but we did sing hymns. Maybe you remember this one because when you think of Rahab, you want to say, now wait a minute, can she really be in the hall of faith? You remember this hymn, O oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God. Listen, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives could I have a testimony anybody here have a whole season in your life that was away from God don't don't raise your hand I I don't want you to raise your hand but just think anybody here go through a season where you loved a bottle of beer or alcohol more than you love God anybody here get hooked on a drug and for a season you were sucked under the slavery of a drug and you had more devotion to getting that next hit than you had to serving God anybody here Anybody here in your younger life or maybe middle life, you were, you were in a relationship, you knew it was wrong, but you convinced yourself, I just can't quit. I, I, I just love him, I love her, and you were just like Rahab. You just sleeping with somebody you had no business being with. Anybody here a Rahab or a Ray? See, it's real easy for us to say, I just, I just don't know, I don't know I can believe that. Well, then you've not been saved yourself. Because if you've been saved, you'd say, Rahab, move over. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what God did for me. She hid the spies and agreed to help them to safety. She put herself at risk and her family to help them. What was her future? What what if Rahab had, once they left, she said, You know, I got so busy. Those spies were here just the other day. I, I know there's something they told me to do, but for the life of me, I can't remember what that was. Would she have been spared? What, what did she say? You know, John Brown. I've looked here. I don't have a single piece of scarlet rope in here. I don't know. I just, I, they'll just have to take it by faith. That God knows my heart. I'm not hanging it out there. I don't have one. Would she have been saved? You know, I know what they said, but they, they're men, and you know, God has a bigger vision, and He's going to save those He wants to. It's really not up to us. It's up to Him, and, and I don't have to. I don't have to obey I, God. You know my. You know my confession. Would she have been saved? The Bible says that even the men said, woman, if we don't see that scarlet thread now, you don't have to overplay that. Why why scarlet thread? Because in battle, bright colors will still show. But in theology, the bright color was not a blue, it was not a green, it was not a white flag of surrender. It was the red crimson color of blood that 2,000 years ago was shed on Calvary and 3,400 years ago was the blood on the doorpost and lintel of a house in Egypt that set all who were in the house under the covering of the blood. It set them free. Now, just 40 years later in the first pagan encounter, now there's a woman that says, I want to be counted among the people of God. And the Bible says when we see the red, when we see the crimson, when we see the scarlet cord, when we see the scarlet rope, you will be saved. Now hear me. Some of you in this room have never hung and you've never hung the banner. Oh, it's not that you don't believe in your mind. I believe Jesus, the Son of God, he could save anybody who wants to. I didn't ask you what you believe. Satan knows that to be true. That's no confession. That's an intellectual assessment. See, some of you are going to miss heaven because you say, I just don't think you have to do that. Well, you know, you, God didn't ask for your opinion. As humbling as that's going to be, He called for our obedience. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart, confession is really optional. Right? If so, you've got a bad Bible. Bible says, if you don't confess me before men, I'm not going to confess you when it counts before my Father in heaven. Some of you in this room have never. Well, now, Brother Nick, I don't think at my age I have to, no, you don't have to, but you don't have to, you don't have to hear God say, enter in. See if this dear lady gotten so busy, she said, I, I forgot to hang that rope. I meant to, John Brown, spies, I meant to hang it. Please don't, please don't let me, please don't let me perish. wonder what it sounded like the day when the tables of water opened and the heavens opened with rain, and all those that laughed at that dumb, named Noah that for 120 years had built a boat and then the water started coming up their knees and their thighs and their waist and to their chest and their babies were crying mama mama and they're crying open the door open the door who closed the door no kidding do you have to do what God said I mean real do you have to do what God said only if you want to be saved I don't think that's fair I didn't make the rules I'm just the pizza delivery boy look at what it says her future was she did what God said she and her household were spared and I love that last verse of chapter 6 that we read and to this day she lives in Israel I once was a stranger an outcast on earth a sinner by choice and an alien by birth, but I've been adopted. My name's written down, an heir to a mansion, a robe, and a crown. I've been grafted in by the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you your future? Turn quickly, because we've got to go. It's time for you to go out of here. Matthew chapter 1, what's her future? Oh, She lived in Israel. That's good, but wouldn't it be sad to get to live in Israel and die and go to hell? Wouldn't it be sad to live in all the wealth of America and think, I got it made, and never call in the name of Jesus and die and go to hell and think, how did I miss him? I want you to see what her future was. This, this harlot became one of God's holy. Look at this, verse 5, Matthew chapter 1, this is the lineage leading up to Joseph, Luke leads up to Mary. This is the lineage of Joseph showing that he too was a house of David. Look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 5. Salmon fathered Boaz by who? Rahab, no kidding. That harlot that harlot became a married woman who was Salmon one of the tribal leaders of Judah. Pardon me? <laughs> I'm not asking for a testimony. And please don't raise your hand. Ladies, any one of you here, pretty promiscuous when you're a young woman, hurt your mom and daddy's heart, hurt their reputation, hurt your heart, you finally realize what I'm doing is destru- destruction. When you ask God to forgive you, he met, you met a man that came into your life, this most wonderful man you'd ever met. Here's what he said. I don't care about your past. We all have a past. I'm caring, I care about your story from this point forward because we all, once we know Jesus, have a marvelous story of God at work. If I asked today for testimonies, or any ladies that say, Pastor, from the time I was 15 till the time I was whatever, I was wild, wild, wild. And then I met a man who loved God and loved me. And now I have children call me mother. Not what those other folks call me when they were through with me. Any of you men here sleep around with so many once you got married? Your wife said, have you ever been with a woman You laughed. said, not a woman. I've been with women. From the time I was, how old were you? Until that, I, I've been with many. And then you met that woman who loved God and who loved you. and Then you began to wear, I don't want to be what I've been. I don't want people to say about me what they've said. I, I want to be called husband, father, grandfather, Christian. Look what happened. This harlot, Matthew 1, 5, you're talking about amazing grace. She married one of the tribes. This Canaanite, did, can I, did I tell y'all she is a prostitute? This Canaanite prostitute married one of the ruling tribe's leaders one of the ruling leaders of the tribe of Judah. I've often wondered was Salmon one of those two that went into the city to spy out and the minute she saw him she said boy you have saved me and I want to know you better. Anybody here meet your spouse at church and say I I want to know you better. Salmon fathered Boaz, who? Boaz, by a harlot, no by a child of God named Rahab and Boaz you remember there's a book called Ruth Boaz was son of Rahab <laughs> y'all listen to any of this? Boaz was a son of Rahab and married Ruth and Ruth begat Obed and Obed he begat Jesse, you remember Jesse Samuel came and said, I want to see you boys. He said, Here they are. <laughs> Jesse said, That's not all I miss it. Well, there's that little freckle-faced redhead get out in the field, but you wouldn't be a sinner. He said, Get him. Get him. Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David. And David said, God, I want to build you a temple. He said, You can't. Your hands are bloody. You've been a fighter all your life. A warmonger is not going to build my house but God, I want to build your house. He said, David, listen to me. You're not building me a house, but I'll build of you a house and a lineage, and from your house shall come the Messiah, the Son of God. (laughs) Did I mention Rahab was a prostitute? Anybody here really mess up before? (laughs) Why are y'all still sitting? Anybody here hadn't really messed up? Not a one, including this one. But that's when we ought to break out in this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, right? It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and I'm in bad company, but now I'm found good company. (laughs) I was blind, but now i see hmm. i'm gonna ask you to do something bold today there's some of you here that need to say pastor i need jesus not many maybe not any here are harlot but you don't have to be a harlot to need jesus you just got to be outside and you say i want to come in the house that's what that's what the spies told Rahab, you got your family in the house. Some of you need to come in the house, and you need to come to the owner of the house, who's Jesus, and say, Jesus, I need you. I want to ask you to forgive me. I've done things that turned the air blue. I'm so sorry. Some of you say, Pastor, I've really not lived a bad life. Well, then it's harder for you to come forward. Hardest people to save are not those who got a checkered past. It's those who think they got a glorious past. I'm asking today, if you know that you don't know Christ, you need to come the self-righteous, the good folks, and those who say, I have absolutely no reason that he should accept me. You know what, the ground's level at the foot of the cross. So in a minute, we're gonna sing a song. And I'm gonna ask you, some of you to come into the salvation of Jesus Christ by faith. Those of you may need to come for other decisions, and if so, you do that. But we ought today just to take a moment and pray for everybody that's outside the walls, outside the promises, outside the richness of knowing Jesus, somewhere in this room. And pray that today, God would bring them in. If that's you, right here's a place reserved with your name on it. Don't delay, stand with me. Father, in this room today, we've walked on holy ground because it's awesome to think that you would take a person who's not a Jew, And that day, the people of God, the chosen of God, she was gonna do great things. She was not in that number. Her background was not even one of holiness. She was a Canaanite. She was not a man to show her strength. She was a woman who was already treated as though she were second class in her culture. She knew about gods because she had many in her culture. But somehow when she heard 40 years before there was a God who delivered these group of slaves named Israel, she said, now that's a God. That's the one I want to know. That's him. And because of her faith, she had the opportunity when two men came into her house, not to ply her trade, (laughs) but to tell her about that God that you fear is now knocking on the door with his people. And she said, please count me among, count me among your God's people and your people. And you saved her. In the New Testament, you put her in tall cotton with men like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Noah and Moses and Rahab. There are people in the room today who just need to be free. Some are Christians and they beat themselves up with guilt. Bring them today to be delivered from guilt. Some would say, I used to serve pastor, but I've fallen away. Please come home, please. Make your way to an altar right now. Just come home to Jesus. Say, I'm tired of being in a distant country. I want a hot heart for God. I don't know who you are. I don't know your needs, but I know God and his eternal invitation has come. Rocky is here to receive women who would say, I'd prefer to talk to a lady. If I'm a, if you're a lady you want to talk to a lady, Rocky's here. The pastors are in the room. I ask you to make your way to the altar. Folks, you don't have to even wait for me to stop praying. You can press out right now. Some of you take your knees on a kneeling bench. some to take the hand of one of these pastors or Rocky. And say today, I just want to talk to somebody about how I can get closer to Jesus. Father, let your spirit move among us. Please deal with us according to your mercy. Draw us near, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing. The altar's open.